Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Who doesn't love a bit of sweetness? Even even your faithful correspondents here at uh, Conspiracy Stuff, uh, you know, we, we can have a, a bit of a sweet tooth at times. We, we don't always say no to uh, um, a treat or two, right? Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. We've been making some fun little desserts at the house because of like TikTok videos. The kid found this thing called a lemon posset where you basically pull the guts out of a lemon, cut it in half, and then you mix it with sugar and heavy whipping cream and then it sets like a creme brulee Mm. and then you flame the top of that thing if you have a blowtorch or a propane torch, which everyone should, and it's fabulous. And it's not something I would normally think to do, but boy, howdy, were those delicious. Sounds good to me. Hmm. Uh, Matt, Matt, do you have a, do do you have a go-to sweet? Yeah. uh, It used to be chocolate Mm -hmm. until we found out about that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, what do we find out about chocolate? We lost chocolate. Uh, No. Chocolate's canceled? Well, it's heavily linked linked to the slave trade. Well, and, and heavy metals, you know. Uh, oh yeah, the heavy metals. It, some manufacturers of dark chocolate accidentally get heavy metals in their products. Not all of them. That's what we found out, and it just turned me off to the whole thing. So honestly, I must have uh, been my, off that day. Jeez. My sweets are C uh, four smart energy drinks now. That's mm, that's my sweet. I, I'm still, you know, I I don't personally have too much of a sweet tooth unless it's a ritualized thing like a Halloween I'll, I'll eat some candy but uh usually if I'm 
consuming something like that, it'll end up being soda. I'm a sucker for soda. Um, I was more bothered by the slavery aspects of chocolate, but there are definitely, um, to be fair, there are, you know, um, conscientious ethical chocolate companies that have a closer eye on their supply line. In tonight's episode, we are looking at things that are sweet. Uh, We are following up on a recent development in a long-running story. This show is examined at multiple points in the past. Uh, Matt, in a recent strange news segment, uh, we talked briefly about a statement by, for the sake of convenience, we'll say a statement by the World Health Organization that appear to confirm some long-running rumors about something called aspartame. But first off, we have to ask ourselves, what is aspartame? Here are the facts. Aspartame, not to be confused with asparagus. Not that anyone would ever do that, and I'm an idiot. Uh, It's also known by some brand names that you may be more familiar with, things like NutraSweet or Equal. Uh, or something called Candorol, which sounds even more uh, nefarious than aspartame. Candorol, like, I, I feel like it, I don't know why that sounds scary to me. Well, yeah, I, I get it. But there are also a bunch of other internationally known brands that uh, we don't even have a list of right here, right now, that you might you might know of in your country where you're listening. A hundred percent. Yeah, the, the brand names may appear very different, but wherever you are in your neck of the global woods, uh, when you run into maybe at a restaurant, you run into those little packs uh, where they have the like the creamer uh, and then the sugar and the artificial sweetener. Odds are one of those things contains aspartame. It's a dipeptide. And it's used in so much stuff as a substitute for natural sugar. And it makes a lot of sense because it packs a heck of a punch. It's something like uh, estimates range between 160 to 200 times sweeter than sucrose, your average table sugar. It's like what the atomic bomb is to TNT. (laughs) Well, and it's funny. That was part of the original PR for aspartame. It's a hundred and... 80 times sweeter than sugar. It's more efficient. You know, they say to the businesses, it's sweeter. They say to the kids and holy crap, I lucked out, says James M. Schlatter in 1965. (laughs) Our buddy James, this this is funny. This is a a little bit of, uh, dare we say, ridiculous history. He creates aspartame or he discovers aspartame's current use completely by accident. It sounds a little weird. This is a true story. Uh, He was trying to make an anti-ulcer drug for his bosses, G.D. Searle and company, uh, currently Pfizer now, um, or became Pfizer. He mixed this aspartame together, wish, 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 and then he bumped his hand or something on the mixture. It spills on his hand, and he doesn't think about it. Even though, until, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> until you have lab little, standards. Yeah, right. Give, give a little lick, you know, just to be just to be safe, just to make sure you didn't get any like uh, caustic chemicals on your hand. Just give it a lick just to just to make sure you're all that's no, that's not what you do. That's not protocol. But he did do this, whether by some, you know, automatic behavior, gave his finger a lick and realized, boy, that is sweet. Uh, that is a sweet treat, that finger there. Yeah. Um, finger licking good. And um, he decided to explore this further. Well, let's let's talk about that a second, because the 
the statement comes from J.D. Searle and co. themselves. And then you'll see a couple different versions of this. He spilled this on his hands. He didn't bother to wash his hands, apparently. And some time passed. We don't know how much, but later that day, he was doing that thing. I always associated with teachers of a certain generation, but he was either going to turn a page on a book or he's picking up a piece of paper and he did that thing where you like lick your finger, I guess to what is it? Make the paper stick to your finger? It gives you a little more traction, I guess, yeah, and being traction. able to kind of turn turn the page. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense. So, But they, even that in and of itself is kind of a weird sort of like um, tick, you know, for a lot of people, like doing that. Because uh, it's it does a little bit of good, but it doesn't do a whole lot of good. Yeah. Um, and that's when he realizes that there's something going on. Mm-hmm. And so this guy wasn't a finger licker. Humanity may have never discovered this application of aspartame. Uh, he knew he was onto something, like you said, Noel, and uh, his old bump and lick uh, led to G.D. Searle and Company's most popular product ever. They started calling it NutraSweet, and it's been that. off to the races. <laughs> I mean, let's just analyze this branding real quick. The Nutra prefix, mm-hmm. it almost implies healthful nutritional sweet doesn't promise it yeah it doesn't promise it but this is also a time ben uh correct me if i'm wrong where sugar was like just really being pushed already and it wasn't it was like considered like a a, uh it gave you pep or whatever right like that was a big part of the branding or the marketing of sugar was this was there a need being filled for a like less caloric sugar Mm. Were people even screaming for this, or was this just kind of like, okay. The diet craze was in full effect, okay, like full, it. full effect from the 50s onward of just like, you need to eat more healthy. You need to have less, again, sugar, fats, all this stuff. You need to have all this less stuff in your diet, eat more healthy. One of the ways you could do that is to not eat sugar, and there are all kinds of substitutes already being created, some of which have fallen by the wayside because, you know, health dangers. And and also, let's not forget that one of the big things you can do once you're a business working with economy of scale, you can create the need, right? So you can, through um, various initiatives, you can accelerate certain diet conversations. You can, uh, you can magnify certain studies and kind of sideline other ones. So can we, can we just say really quickly, when we're talking about the diet craze that was happening, just to give a little more context about when aspartame kind of came to be, it uh, the two prevailing, let's say, alternate sugars were saccharin and something called cyclamate mm-hmm. uh, back before aspartame became a thing. Mm-hmm. And those were those were also kind of touted, right, as these futuristic solutions. To the problem of, of, of healthy eating. Yeah. I mean, by hook or by crook, fast forward to 2023, more than 6,000 products in the market in, in the U.S. alone, I believe, contain aspartame. And it's a lot of it is stuff you would expect, but I, I would posit that a lot of it is going to be a surprise. I was surprised by toothpaste, which it does make sense because toothpaste does have a minty sweet quality to it, but it would be counterproductive for it to contain sugar, one would imagine. So why not have this sort of sugar-free sweetener in there that supposedly would not contribute negatively to your mouth health? 
Or why not just not make it sweet? I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have ever used a lot of the uh, toothpaste you can find, at least for a while there in Britain, but it's 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 the baking soda stuff. It yeah, doesn't sure. taste That's great, stuff. but it feels medicinal in your mouth when you're brushing your teeth rather than it like tingles. you're having a sweet treat. I agree. Uh, the baking soda stuff also um, may not be the silver bullet solution it's touted as. And, and you know, another thing, yeah, it's just become... Sugar and things tasting sweet is very normalized in the U.S. Shout out to Celeste Headley. But the um, the thing that gets me about that, when we're talking about these denifrices, is who is doctor number 10? I love 9 out of 10 dentist or whatever. So I love the idea that there's this unhinged 10th dentist somewhere. He's and a he's, bummer is what he is. And he's saying, F- it, don't brush your teeth. Ever. You know what I mean? Uh, you can't buy me off. <laughs> big, big Colgate. Um, anyway, that is that is one example. Yeah, toothpaste, uh, yogurt, uh, obviously chewing gum, ice cream, pretty much your favorite breakfast cereal, unless you purposely buy uh, one that is healthy or you've, per- or you've explicitly read the ingredients. Cough drops, that's a similar thing too, right? Cough drops are almost... There's a Venn diagram with cough drops and candy in the U.S. I think a lot of the um, a lot of things that are sold as though they are cough drops are pretty much just sugar, right? Like Luden's cherry drops. Those those are pretty sugary. You can tell the difference too. I mean, I think we've gotten to the point where most people can really detect those diet flavors, and that's why things like Coke Zero are popular because it's like the diet drink that doesn't have the diet kind of chemically flavor. And I think that chemically flavor is largely associated with aspartame, uh, and some people even dig it. You know, like Diet Coke is so popular, and I think a lot of that has to do with the flavor that aspartame imparts. I'm a big fan of Gatorade Zero. Uh, and for whatever reason, it does not taste sugar-free or diety to me at all. And that is because it's sweetened with sucralose uh, and acasulfane potassium, uh, which are two other um, artificial sweeteners. But aspartame, I think, has been around so long, people kind of can clock it when it's there. Mm, and And we're hoping... By the way, that this is not the episode where we absolutely ruin diet soda for people. But... We'll see. Uh, your mileage may vary. We. I disagree. Uh, yeah. I really hope this ruins diet soda for you, you so? specifically. Okay. What about Matt, me? Matt is batting for you specifically, folks. I got a case of DCs <laughs> upstairs as we speak. So we had this earlier conversation with the uh, official friend of the show now, veteran journalist Celeste Headley, creator of a podcast called Big Sugar. And we know that the natural sugar industry has a ton of very disturbing socioeconomic, environmental, public health problems. So it's no surprise that now, uh, just as back then, a few decades ago, people would want to rid themselves of natural sugar. Even without clever PR and Bernays-level interference, the market was ready for these artificial sweeteners. And, you know, Aspartame seemed to solve a lot of the problems that sugar had in one go. And if you look at the pros and cons, it's, you, you can see there's a lot of validity to the argument, I would say. I mean, not only because of the health issues, but also because of the absolute monstrous history of the big sugar 
industry. You know, we, we again, listen to Celeste's podcast, listen to the episode for a bit of a uh, kind of a bullet point uh, list of, of what those monstrous um, uh, sins are. Um, but let's maybe focus on the health side and let's go maybe into some uh, pros and cons. One is weight control. Aspartame is uh, non-nutritive, meaning like, maybe that's, that's where they got the nutra from because like, it's it's not – that it is nutritious, it's that it has absolutely no nutritional value then whatsoever. It would be not a sweet. Yeah, exactly. Non nutritive, meaning that it has negligible caloric content. Um, and Ben, you found that the WHO in its report does dispute this to some degree. Yeah. Um, last, I believe it was last year, 2022, uh, WHO came out with some research that appeared to contradict or caveat this idea that this stuff is always good for weight control. And we run into this whenever we hear conversations about aspartame research in particular, um, because there's a lot of money riding on aspartame remaining a legal additive. It's also not a carbohydrate, so it can be helpful for preventing and or managing diabetes. And unlike regular sugar, it doesn't increase your possibility of tooth decay because sugar uh, in your mouth is fantastic for bacteria, right? And the bacteria produce the the uh, damage to your teeth. So aspartame doesn't do that. You might have heard those three things and thought, dang, guys, I'm sold. You sounded weird at the front, but uh, this is the best ad for aspartame I've ever heard. Well, Hold your hold, hold your badgers because there are some there are some cons to the pros of aspartame. Yeah, I, I just want to point to with those pros it, to turn it into a con a little bit, kind of what the WHO was disputing. One of the big pieces of research that came out, gosh, over the past 10 years was that artificially sugared drinks, so artificially sweetened drinks and other products could it still caused weight gain in people. Um, and it was, it had nothing to do with the sweetener itself. I think it had more to do with, uh, uh, other things that a person is consuming when they're drinking those drinks. To my knowledge, there was no actual correlation between the artificial sweetener and weight gain, but it was like, um, it was more, um, habit based kind of thing. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and we're not attempting to link those with, it goes to the first con which is increased hunger. The idea that subbing out sugar for aspartame can somehow leave people uh, a little more famished. This isn't 100% confirmed, but there's no caloric content. So you're getting all the sweetness with none of the heft, right? So it is quite possible that the same thing that was advertised as weight control actually just leaves people feeling hungrier. And then, of course they eat more. So also a lot of these studies, I think they're having problems. We'll get into it, but there's a problem that arises in the world of medicine and nutrition. When you try to um, make one size fits all recommendations and we'll, we'll see how that goes hilariously wrong. 
It's also interesting to point out that, um, that there's a study from the Permanente or published in the Permanente Journal um, by uh, Carol uh, Bartolotto um, that looked at how consuming artificial sweeteners in general can affect your sense of taste. Overall, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, sure. because we're talking about this like dark matter level of concentrated punch, you know, when it comes to like the amount of sweetness that's packed into a small amount of, of substance. Um, and they found that, you know, well, they pointed out, first of all, that some of these sweeteners can range from 180 to as high as 13,000 times sweeter than sugar. Um, and that 95 percent of participants in the study found that sweet foods um, and drinks tasted sweeter or too sweet. Seventy five percent found that other foods tasted sweeter. Ninety five percent said moving forward they would use less or even no sugar. So, I mean, this can affect your brain chemistry in a way, like the way you perceive taste. Well, that's also that that can also be said um, or that kind of habituation can also be said of salt. Um, We've probably there are probably a lot of people in the audience this evening who perhaps due to medical advice or perhaps due to uh, some other factor, decided to lessen the amount of salt they eat. And then they went somewhere and they tasted salty food again. And they thought, this is crazy because your body is no longer used to it. And that's what happens when, that's why when a lot of people travel to the U.S., as we discussed previously, they're not used to that much sweetness, be it sugar, be it uh, corn syrup, which is great. Oh, I can't wait for for a corn episode, that's gonna that's gonna be the next food we ruin. I don't know what's gonna be left at the end of this. I don't know what's gonna be left. Um, Just gelatin yeah. sludge. Well, that has uh, aspartame yeah, in it. That no, has aspartame. Yeah, yeah. So, aspartame free gelatin sludge. There um, is one. There is yeah. one. Another con that is a hundred percent proven. It's a rare disorder called uh, phenylketonuria. And if you have this condition, street name PKU, you cannot metabolize a certain amino acid, phenylalanine. This is always funny when we try to do this. Phenylalanine? Phenylalanine? I think yes, phenylalanine. I think that is a noble yeah. effort, my friend, uh, and it's a tough one. Absolute well, tongue twister. Aspartame contains this amino acid, and so if you have this condition, PKU, then you can't eat things that contain aspartame. That's why you see these weirdly specific warnings on things like Kool Aid packets. That's when I first saw it as a kid, you know. Um, and then, of course, uh, right before we go to break, there are. There's one more big con. For decades, people have been claiming to experience any number of uncool side effects as a result of consuming aspartame. Stomach pains, dizziness, vomiting, nausea, mood changes, to your point, null headache, memory loss, diarrhea, and, uh, you know, cancer. Oh, yeah, cancer. Uh, We'll learn more about that in just a moment, but for now we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more aspartame. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. 
I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. Okay, Matt, this is something you brought you brought to Strange News uh, just just a, a few days ago, a few weeks ago. Editing is weird. Publishing is weird. Uh, but the World Health Organization, who you might be saying, no joke left behind. Uh, they came out and released what appeared to be a bombshell statement confirming a lot of rumors that have been circling around aspartame. At least they appear to the way it was reported in the news. Yeah, I would say the reporting, it's definitely the kind of thing that the outlets want to gain your share of the attention uh, for this announcement. Because the announcement isn't that much of a bombshell. The announcement is really... It's a it's a shift in thinking, right? And it's a shift in classification of aspartame as a substance, but ultimately it doesn't mean much. There's not going to be any real effect on the manufacturers or the consumers. Right. It's not even a non-binding resolution. It's not a resolution. Well, it's July 14th, 2023. Uh they say, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to accuse like the quote unquote mainstream news of being hyperbolic or alarmist, but they played a little fast and loose with some of the headlines. And you see this in all kinds of health reporting. 
you know, depending on the year, coffee is either terrible for you or it means you'll never have a heart attack again. Uh, fat is bad or fat will save you, et cetera, et cetera. The statement that who makes is the result of a group project. So get ready, folks, for some long names and very weird acronyms. Awkward acronyms. Aquanyms. We'll get there. <laughs> it's true. Here we go. WHO, the World Health Organization, or WHO, uh, teamed up with uh, a group called the International Agency for Research on Cancer. Fortunately, there's no fun way to pronounce that. IARC, that's not fun. So we'll just call it the IARC. Um, in addition to them, um, the WHO also paired up with the Food Agriculture Organization, or FAO. Or FAO, like FAO Schwartz, that's fun. Uh, WHO also has a uh, joint expert committee on food additives, JECFA. If only it was Jeffka. Jeffka's pretty good. Uh, and they run in coordination with the FAO, Food Agriculture Organization. So if you really think about it, um, not only one organization, but three different branches of said organization, the WHO, have uh, looked into, uh, in depth, aspartame. Um, and it's uh, side effects or byproducts. Um, and all of them have, it gave them pause at the very least. They, 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 they said, we need to take a minute and look a little deeper at what's going on with this stuff. Uh, yeah. And in truth, guys, they're really just analyzing research that has been done in the past and more recent research studies on aspartame. Um, that's, that's really what they're doing. They're analyzing stuff and results. Right. Well, it might be presented as a bombshell public statement, and it definitely is a shift. It's not as though a damning new study emerged. If you read the press release, which again is freely available online, then you'll see there's even some dissent amid those three different uh, groups working together. IR, IARC, or IARC, uh, said... They're the ones who say aspartame is, quote, possibly carcinogenic to humans. And our pals Jeffka, they reaffirmed what they see as the daily acceptable intake. The daily acceptable intake of aspartame is 40 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. For everyone in the U.S., that's 40 milligrams uh, per like 2.2 pounds of body weight. And so what this tells us already is the public statement is still arguing it's okay to consume this, essentially in moderation. The cancer research group says it can cause cancer, but the food safety group says, yeah, you can still eat it. And honestly, 40 milligrams per kilogram or per 2.2 pounds, that's a lot of aspartame. So they're not saying no one should have this stuff at all involved with them. They're not saying it's on the level of previously acknowledged dangerous substances like thalidomide or so on. But they are they are saying there's some scary stuff in the research. And they also spe specify what types of cancer aspartame may be associated with. Uh, yeah, basically they said your liver might be at risk. You might get liver cancer if you consume too much aspartame. Um, and I think they they say it a little weirdly in the statement, but basically it also increases, it might increase your chances of getting other types of cancer, but they're not very specific about it. 
Well, and they're also not trying to, you know, come out and and be incredibly heavy handed about these things. You know, they're 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 throwing in some caveats and they're trying their best to not sound alarmist. You know, like if you if you consume this stuff one or two times that you're doomed. That's not the prognosis here. Yeah, I think I think the one they point to for liver damage. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it right. Hepat. Hep- Hepatocellular carcinoma. That's the type of liver cancer they point to. And they're saying, again, just like we articulated earlier, they're saying there's enough research out here that we want to give you a heads up. And we're doing this not necessarily because we think aspartame is villainous. We're doing this, says who? Because cancer is terrible. And we want to stop people from getting cancer in any situation when at all possible. They have a quote from Dr. Francesco Branca, who is the director of the Department of Nutrition and Food Safety over at WHO, or WHO. They don't like to be called WHO, which is sad because it's so fun. But Dr. Branca uh, gives some context about cancer and says, quote, cancer is one of the leading causes of death globally Every year, one in six people die from cancer. And so if we look at it from their perspective, this is another tool or another piece of research to help in the larger fight against cancer, at least the way it's presented in that press statement. You know, it's like they're saying cancer is the main thing we're worried about. Also, aspartame might lead to developing uh, uh, cancer. Yeah. I'm just pointing that out because I feel like if you look at different news outlets, they presented it in these very, these very short, you know, two, three minute, maybe five minute news burst where they just said, aspartame, cancer, we'll be right back with a dog who thinks he's an otter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did see a lot of people, you know, break it down once they got back from their break after teasing it like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> they got, got you to stick around. I mean, they just broke it down and said, yeah, actually, there's nothing to worry about. It's they, the WHO has said that it's possibly carcinogenic and they, you know, gave it one bump up in the four level. I think it's four levels of mm-hmm. carcinogenic substances or food additives that the, the way they classify them. And uh, we talked about this in that, la- that last episode. Uh, it's now classified as 2B. 2B. Possibly. Or not 2B. But uh, no, it's definitely uh, 2B. Definitely a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is still this is still important. We have to also ask ourselves, is this kind of thing misleading? That's a reasonable starting point. Uh, jokes about caffeine reporting aside, history has shown more than one scientific report has been twisted by news organizations to get people in a panic. And so shout out to all the scientists in the crowd, fellow conspiracy realists, we know this stuff has to drive you crazy. Like, um, what what is it? There, there have been these um, almost like urban folklore tall tales that all about something being horrible for you that ultimately end up being based on a study done to lab mice or lab rats, and they just pump them so full of a cartoonish amount of a substance that no human would ever reasonably ingest it. Yeah, we've certainly mentioned that in the past. And to your point, Matt, 
you know, with your body weight, how many cans of Diet Coke you'd have to consume to even get anywhere close to these levels. Well, to the levels that the FDA and the WHO and all these other organizations agree is the safe level. And, you know, because they say it's safe, then, hey, that's what we should be going by. Mm -hmm. Do you do you trust them? That's the Mm -hmm. big question. Have you looked up everybody's CV, uh, their previous organizations, associations, <laughs> the, uh, the boards, uh, and other places that they're mem- they have membership on? So we're just going to call these different acronyms WHO for the sake of simplicity. Uh, we gave you the big stat, 40 milligrams per kilogram of aspartame every 24 hours, 40 milligrams every 2.2 pounds if you're in the U.S., uh, If you math that out, again, to get past the level that this group says is safe, you'd need to be slugging uh, probably a little more than a 12-pack of diet soda per day. Um, And that does seem like a lot, no judgment. People can get stressed out and get thirsty. But there's something else tricky about this. That recommendation, I think, can be a little bit misleading because that's 40 milligrams per kilogram of body weight a day in that trans in that soda example that assumes no other intake and it's kind of hard now right it's kind of hard to know uh, without doing a lot of due diligence whether something you're consuming has aspartame in it so you could drink those 9 to 14 cans think you're okay it, it's very similar to to the to how ubiquitous sugar is. You know, we talked with Celeste about you know her attempts to to live a sugar free lifestyle and how uh, a expensive it was and b just incredibly confusing and convoluted it is to even figure out what has sugar in it. Um, it's very similar with this because it's just become so ubiquitous. I guys, I don't think it's tricky at all. We are consuming a crap ton of aspartame, even if you're specifically avoiding diet soda drinks. Sure. Yeah. That's but that's what makes the calculation tricky, is what oh, I'm yeah. saying. But what I mean is it's it's going in you. It doesn't matter if you're trying to avoid it, it's in there. Mm-hmm. Along with all the other stuff that the FDA has said is totally fine. Um, <laughs> here in the States, uh, we've got to, we got to mention them in a second too. So one of the problems is the research keeps going back and forth and so many reliable sources that you can read on aspartame will say studies are conflicted or studies are ongoing and things like that. In 2013, the who crew, <laughs> nice. the, the WHO crew concluded that there was absolutely no problem with aspartame. So this can, for a couple of us, this might look like everything's on the up and up. That's how science works. You do the science and then the science tells you what is happening. It doesn't fit your pre-existing expectations. So the good thing about solid science is that getting something wrong and then figuring out what you got wrong That's progress. That's super cool. The other side of it is, what if the money is interfering with some of these decisions and the way that they are conveyed to the public? Yeah, what if the studies are being bankrolled by a trade group who is representing the manufacturers of artificial sweeteners? 
Mm-hmm. That's a problem. <clears throat> Surely a hypothetical problem, Matt. No. No, and we'll talk about it in a moment. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I mean, pissed off. Yeah, sh- okay. Sugar's got lobbies. Fake sugar's got lobbies. They're fake lobbies, though. They're 180 to 200 times sweeter than uh, existing lobbies. <laughs> if only. Does that mean that they're like they're they're just really nice? They they like they they just they, that's how they get people to 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 do what they want is just by you know killing them with kindness. Mm-hmm. That and the liver cancer. Yes, ah, of course. the the FDA U.S. Food and Drug Administration is a bit looser, and they say, look, you can go hog wild, buddy. 50 milligrams per kilogram of body weight for aspartame and you're G to G, my friend. Live your life. Pop that next diet, you know, Dr. Pepper or whatever. Um, well, can we, when we talk about that FDA and what they say, uh, oh, I was almost going to rhyme there. Um, 1974 is when they approved aspartame for use in foods. 1974. Mm-hmm. Originally, can we just go ahead and talk about how it was then that approval was taken away for a little bit, a year Mm. later. Do tell. In 1975, in July, Alexander M. Schmidt, who was the FDA commissioner, uh, he was hearing a bunch of concerns. He was, uh, this is from, I guess, people in the scientific community, as well as people who were just consuming aspartame. People were complaining about this stuff. So he actually made a task force that looked into aspartame. So the FDA investigated this stuff right after it approved it literally a year after it approved it and found that there were problems and they found that the studies that the original company that created the substance had submitted to the fda because remember gd Searle. gd Searle is testing its own product and saying hey these appear to be the safe levels for this product we want to sell mm-hmm. and the fda then you know in 74 approved it and said yeah that's fine looks great gd Searle." Your internal studies are perfect. And then a year later, they were like, oh, geez, I don't know. And it ended up getting taken off of the market for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then it only oh. got put back on the market when somebody new got appointed to the FDA. Yes. And this is part of the public-private revolving door danger that we see so often. Uh, we should go ahead and say it. I was going to save this for the end. But uh, the the head honcho over at G.D. Searle, when our buddy James decides to lick his fingers in a lab. That guy's name was Donald Rumsfeld, who you may recognize from a later turn in the world of American politics. Now, guilt by association is a dangerous thing, and it's not proof of anything on its own. You know, that's why you see a lot of um, a lot of conspiracy theories that want to simply scare people say, you know who else like this? The Nazis. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you don't you don't think Oreo is part of this, uh, like is part of Nabisco's ultimate end game to take over the world and turn everybody into, you know, I'm mixing brands here, turn them into Keebler elves. Well, guess what? Nabisco was Himmler's favorite snack cookie or whatever. And that's easily just those elves were vaguely Nazi ish. I don't know if that's just me. (laughs) Something in the eyes, right? Mm-hmm. The ears, too. Mm. So, like, with that being said, guilt by association is not enough. Uh, it, it does not, on its own, a conspiracy prove. However, Matt, the timeline you're talking about, 
about this getting pulled and then every and then it's oops no worries everything's fine after the FDA um undergoes a new regime change of course that's suspicious it should be suspicious right or are we crazy is this the one no it's crazy suspicious when Rumsfeld rolls in in 1977 he's all about aspartame cuz he knows that company needs a win uh you can even you can see quotes of him talking about how he puts heaps of it in his coffee mm-hmm. and and well let's talk a little bit more about Rumsfeld too in a bit um I guess just for due diligence, we do want to mention the people on the manufacturing side. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, aspartame is a big, 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 big business. So, and artificial sweeteners are as well. So, it should come as no surprise that there are trade groups for this stuff. And these trade groups are pretty prominent in Washington. They're pretty prominent in uh, any conversation involving this. They want to be part of it. We're talking about folks like Kevin Keene, who is the interim president and CEO of the American Beverage Association. Uh, he talked with NPR. Oh, uh, American Beverage Association (ABA) is its members are people like PepsiCo and Coca-Cola, all these other people who make beverages or companies. Excuse me. So, on the heels of this news from the WHO, Keen speaks with NPR and says, "Quote." Consumers should take all this compendium of science, the overwhelming weight of the science, and be confident moving forward that aspartame is a safe choice. So that's what the manufacturers say. No one's saying, no no one from the soda manufacturing world in particular is saying, you know, just on the off chance we can make this a little less dangerous for people. That's what we're going to do. To date, zero companies have said that. And of course, I mean, again, no one is saying that, you know, aspartame is as carcinogenic as uh, something like tobacco or radiation. Um, I believe we talked about when the story first uh, hit that the category that it's being placed in um, some other, you know, another item that exists in that category is pickled vegetables. So, I mean, it's... This sort of might be carcinogenic. So it's a bit of a broad category. You know, I don't think anyone's raising the flag or, or sounding the alarm about pickled vegetables, you know, and then not to draw any false equivalencies. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the way I saw it. It was in the same category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's also the question of to what degree it does something uh, function as a carcinogen. Right. Like, do we we don't seem to have any universally agreed science saying that above this certain level or at these certain thresholds, you are X percent more likely to have this liver cancer. They're saying it's an indicator and you have to respect the scientists trying to be fair, but also given the problems, given the controversies we're going to talk about, um, we have to ask questions. Right. So. Good on the scientists for being reasonable here. There's um, because, you know, you want to look at the cancer side of this, too. A lot of cancer is still incurable. A lot of cancer still 
is caused for various reasons that people can't fully understand. So Dr. William Dahut, or Dahut, uh, D-A-H-U-T, of the American Cancer Society, had a great quote about this, saying, quote, the bottom line is that there is not current evidence that definitively leads ingestion of aspartame to cancer. However, since there is a possible link, it is certainly reasonable to limit one's intake until more definitive studies are available. So this guy's saying something very smart, like, hey, why not just avoid it? I I had mentioned uh, off the air that my godmother, um, who's a very fancy New York lady, uh, has uh, what's called a concierge doctor, something that I wasn't aware of until she brought it up, which is where you pay extra and you can basically get this person on the phone with any questions you might have. And uh, she saw the news about aspartame uh, being recategorized and some new research going into it and asked her concierge doctor what to do. Um, And her uh, doctor suggested that she just switch to sugar. Which I thought was very odd and interesting. Um, but that's what she said. That's an interesting guidance because, you know, I, I kind of agree. It felt a little off. <laughs> Maybe he was just trying to get off the phone. Maybe you know, so. Let me be honest. A lot of those concierge, uh, concierge medical services, they're not created equally. I don't think so. Wait. Uh, wait. Okay. Hold on. Of the three of us, who has experience with a concierge doctor? Well, I mean, you, I have associations you, with. There you go. There okay. You go. Okay. Because just I've in general, never... I mean, doctors aren't created equal. You know, I mean, a lot of them. When you go and see one in person, they're doing everything they can to get you out of the room as quickly as possible, so they can move on. Because it's about volume. You know, it's a numbers mm-hmm. game. You know, one thing. This reminds me. I, we've got to go to an ad break. But one thing that is never not hilarious to me. I, we all know how if you've worked in production people in various aspects of production will roast uh, other professionals. Like they'll have jokes about gaffers or they'll have jokes about, you know, a director of photography, sorry, doc, etc. cetera. Um, doctors, like uh, doctors that I hang out with, they have the same kind of jokes about other specializations. You know, um, I, for instance, uh, I've got some good friends who have been OR surgeons, um, Oh, excuse are me. they? Uh, ER surgeons, excuse sorry, me. Sorry. No, let's keep the OR uh, part in. No, that was a, from, uh, mm. what's it called? Rushmore, excuse ah, me. Ah, so, uh, so they will have these crazy inside judgy things to say, you know, like podiatrists aren't real doctors, right? Uh, one, one surgeon... I guess, and, and, you know, we were having a few drinks and she had said, she had said, yeah, what are they going to do, Ben? What are they going to do if someone has a heart attack on the plane? And they say, is there a doctor? Are are they going to stand up and say, well, I can look at his feet, which is sick bird. (laughs) That's what you call specialization, though. And I feel like that's a bit dismissive and missing the big picture. I think so, too. I think maybe a podiatrist wronged her at some point in her life and set her upon this this very strange comedic path. Perhaps they missed a, an ingrown toenail that they got exacerbated over time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now I sound dismissive. Podiatrists do all kinds of stuff. Foot health yeah. is very important, y'all. Come Hell on. hath no fury like a woman corned. Foot corns. Okay, we're going to break. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, to live and die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <gasps> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've returned. So there's that idea. You know, it seems very reasonable. Uh, if you are concerned about exposure or if perhaps you have other complicating existing factors that may make you more vulnerable to um, that may make you more vulnerable to getting cancer, then why not just avoid this stuff if you can? You can you can already tell yourself, look, I may not get a hundred percent of it out of my diet, but just for my peace of mind, I'm gonna avoid it when I can. I feel like that's not crazy. That's a very reasonable goal. You know what I mean? Just read the label on the stuff. I mean, 
Obviously, if you try to cut all sweet things from your diet in the United States, you're going to have a very, very hard time. Shout out to Celeste. Guys, let's talk about a real, like a serious concern, because this actually affected, well, me. It affected me personally and probably you guys as well. Um, According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, consumption of beverages that contain aspartame and other artificial sweeteners jumped 200% between 1999 and 2012. Hey, and guess what? I was in high school at that time, and you know what they had all over my high school? Vending machines. Surge. Surge and soda machines and Diet Coke and Ooh. all. That's when I started drinking diet sodas. It was in controversial when that happened. 1999. So yeah. I, I drank remember. diet sodas as a high schooler? Yes. Yes. I was overweight, and I wanted to drink diet soda rather than drink something that had a bunch of sugar in it. Well, that was smart, but because the powers that be certainly weren't making those the more attractive choices. The machines certainly weren't emblazoned with the diet brand. It was Josta and Surge, the green energy drink. You know, I mean, that's pretty gross if you think about it, the way those companies were able to get embedded in public schools. That speaks volumes. You think lobby had to do with that? Yes, 100% it did. Also, ketchup is not a vegetable. Um, the the We should also point out, you know, I, I think we said it in the past, diet in front of something doesn't mean anything at all, really. Uh, there is no FDA legal language about what, what a product has to do to have the word diet in there. Uh, They're communicating to us that it is somehow purportedly more healthy. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And with these explosions of artificial sweeteners and things, we see all kinds of sugary beverages pop up. I'm thinking about the real low rent ones that I just hated as a kid. They were these plastic, they were these neon colored uh, plastic barrel things with a little foil top. I can't remember the name of them. I'll find it. But they were disgusting because they were chock full of artificial sweeteners and and colors and and artificial colors. Yeah, I don't think I don't think those were nature colors. I'm the worst person to guess, but they didn't look right to me. And if they looked off to me, I'm sure everybody else was like, what the hell is this? But because we are based in the United States. The unfortunate truth is right now, responsibility falls to the consumer. The corporations pass that on to you. And uh, they're, the people that are in their pocket do the same thing. So right now, the main thing you and your loved ones unfortunately have to do is read every ingredient label. Because like you said earlier, Matt, not much is going to change immediately. The research and the effects of this stuff will continue, but you're not going to see it leaving the market. We're talking about this off air. I don't think it'll ever leave the market unless there's a legal ban on it, unlikely at this point, or unless the public votes with their dollar and makes it unprofitable to sell things with aspartame in them. Yeah, but you've got really powerful forces trying to ensure none of that stuff ever happens to make sure aspartame and neotame and saccharin and stevia and monk fruit and sucralose and cyclamate and polyols and all of those artificial sweeteners remain on the market for all time and remain popular and remain thought of positively by the American public and the international public 
because it is all a bottom line. It is all publicly traded money. It is all, I'm just going to say it, it's all lobbying money for massive manufacturers of these end products and these sweeteners that are just saying, hey, we will give you money for your uh, election campaign if you, you know, side with us and protect us. And the optics of it all is also very interesting because a lot of times companies will just rebrand something like, you know, Domino or whatever, the sugar company back to big sugar, you know, they'll put out a product that looks like uh, it's sort of like the craft beer that's actually put out by Anheuser-Busch. Domino will put out a product that says like turbinado sugar, all natural. And it's like a little bit more brown and it comes in like a plastic see-through thing instead of the big sugar bag. But if you look at the fine print, it's still the same company. And I would I would wonder if some of these other sweetener alternatives are also being there are interests, uh, you know, in the the larger, you know, more more known legacy brands that are maybe trying to pivot and still hold on to that market share. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like the idea we talk about this, the the illusion of diversity in branding. I mean, check out Yum Foods. Odds are they own something that you thought was its own thing, or Yum Brands, excuse me. Uh, and we see this in other industries. We see this in Blackwater or Academi or XE. Uh, we see this in Xfinity or Comcast. Uh, it's a common tactic. And there are, look, we we do know that there have long been rumors, and maybe you could even say outright conspiracy theories in the pejorative sense, about artificial sweeteners in general, aspartame in specific. And a lot of those don't hold up to scrutiny, but there's a grain of truth. There's a, there's a, a daily required intake of truth in, in a lot of these things. Yes, Donald Rumsfeld was running G.D. Searle when, um, when aspartame was discovered. He wasn't in the lab that day, you know what I mean? He wasn't slapping James around and being like, make it sweeter. Um, no, but, but he did get into the White House right before exactly. aspartame got approved mm-hmm. to be put in sodas. Mm-hmm. And the dude was literally from the company that made aspartame. And the president he was working for appointed a new guy to the FDA whose sole purpose was to deregulate everything. See? And also... Uh, there was this one conspiracy theory. I want to give a shout out to Skeptoid, which had a good compilation of these. There's this one conspiracy theory that when you eat aspartame, you don't have to worry about the cancer. You have to worry about the fact that it transforms into formaldehyde when you're in your body. Is that so true? Yeah, that is true, right? That wow. is true. That I wanted to shout that out because it is true, but it's true whenever you digest methanol your body naturally creates formaldehyde as a byproduct, a very, very small amount. Okay. So so I was going to ask, like, why don't you get, like, high? Like, isn't formaldehyde, like, a thing that people, like, abuse as, a, as a drug? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 um, I have heard that. I've seen it in films. Embalming uh, fluid is formaldehyde, right? Isn't yeah. that the same thing, or are they two yeah, different yeah. things? Okay. I think traditionally they're um, – and we have a lot of people in the funeral – uh, profession. So you can uh, please do write to us and tell us the difference here. Uh, and tell us if people really do smoke wet and if it means to, I thought it meant smoking cannabis laced with formaldehyde. Yeah, and I just or thought, or I thought it was PCP. 
Is it PCP? Okay, here, let's figure it out. Well, I, I, I think those hey, terms Dave are Chappelle, combined. you like to get wet? I didn't know you like to get wet. Oh, it could be I thought anything. that was PCP. Smoking wet. Sherm, is, I believe, is, is formaldehyde. Smoking dips. wet is uh, can apply to any various fluids or additional substances added to a joint. Okay. Yeah. And a and a sherm stick is a is joint a dipped in from embalming fluid. And there's actually a song by a rapper named uh, Jo Felony called Sherm Stick. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just joking. Just don't. I don't, don't smoke formaldehyde, guys. Oh, yeah, there was a plot point. Wet. It was a plot point in an episode of uh, Six Feet Under, actually, because, you know, obviously that show revolves around a funeral home and one of Claire's ne'er-do-well boyfriends steals some embalming fluid and is selling joints laced with formaldehyde. Good thing Donald Rumsfeld was championing aspartame. What if he worked for a company that, you know, made, made it possible to smoke wet? What if he got in the White House and he was like, let's make sure more children in high schools are smoking Wet. He would say smoking wet cigarettes. Yeah. Disgusting. I wish we could lay the blame on him, but it's literally it's the stakeholders. It's the people who are going to yeah. profit from a giant company, a drug company, a drug it's manufacturer. Bigger than hip hop, yo. Yeah. And feel further away from the consequences, right? Like, hey, I'm just a savvy investor. You know what I mean? Don't put this stuff on me. That's not my job. I. Uh, yeah, the formaldehyde thing is true. Aspartame actually does this in far smaller amounts than a lot of common foods. Uh, and at the end of the day, we say, is aspartame good for you? <laughs> no, not especially. Is it definitely going to give you cancer? Well, it's definitely linked to cancers. Uh, and the U.S. has repeatedly played fast and loose with consumer safety standards. You know what I mean? Like, Tobacco was just fine for a long, long time. And so were fossil fuels, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a ton of money depending on aspartame remaining legal. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a provable point A to point B to point C conspiracy afoot, but there are a lot of disturbing um, circumstantial things. Is that fair to say? Is that too fair to say? This whole episode is too fair to aspartame. Uh, Guys, are you aware, before we stop here, are you aware of something called the Calorie Control Council or the CCC? Oh, yeah. They're your new favorite people, right, man? (laughs) Uh, Yes. I'm not. Can you enlighten me? Okay. So head on over to caloriecontrol.org. Slash about, that's probably a good place to start, mm-hmm. to learn about this group. It's a not-for-profit trade organization for manufacturers of artificial sweeteners, primarily. They also support, like, fiber manufacturers, I guess stuff you would buy that has fiber in it, and other healthy-sounding stuff. Sounds great. The Calorie Con- Control Council, they've been around for a long time. Again, going back to that diet craze, the 50s and 60s, before aspartame became a thing, uh, if you want to find out who, like what companies, what individuals are members of this organization, good luck. You can find it. It's just behind a password protected part of their website. Um, there are some lists of, you know, groups that are probably members that I've found online, but nothing that I could prove. Um, it's a bit weird, but you could probably, again, you can guess, right? It's people that make stuff that is an artificial sweetener or, you know, products that have a lot of artificial sweeteners in it. 
And you can get an idea from this statement from their website. Based on thorough reviews of the scientific evidence, the council supports the use and continued availability of the acylfame, potassium, aspartame, neotame, saccharin, stevia, sucralose, monk fruit, adventame, which I've never heard of, cyclamate, and polyols. Uh, so like all the different artificial sweeteners. Uh, they do provide a list of, quote, paid outside advisors who are all basically nutritionists who, you know, make statements that then they use essentially as PR. And, you know, nothing against PR organizations. We get it. Everybody needs them. Trade organizations. We've talked about those before in the past. Getting together and, you know, putting out positive statements for the thing that you like, that you make money on. The problem is it seems like a pretty powerful group to me that's been around for quite a while that probably has its lobbying hands in a lot of different baskets. And just, just from what we saw with the revolving door situation with Ronald Reagan's administration and Donald Rumsfeld and how aspartame got approved over the course of 1974 to 1981, it just feels like this kind of stuff it feels like it would be easy to get over on the American people and the public in general, the international public in general, because you've got politically powerful people inside organizations like this that can get in there and run roughshod over the science, basically, because it becomes a, quote, the science is out situation, or there are conflicting studies situation, or there's not enough information situation it reminds me of the the rand um the rand way to (laughs) rand has a formula it's called delta something for breaking up group consensus uh and and you weaponizing social dynamics to prevent conversations from moving forward um we also should point out that guys this is the the biggest thing that people Keep not talking about, and it should be talked about more often. Uh, we said Pepsi and Coca-Cola are on the American Beverage Association, or yeah, the ABA. Uh, they're also members or corporate members of the Calorie Control Council. These people are on multiple boards. There, These entities are in multiple trade groups. It is rarefied air. There's a, a great deal of interlocking parts, so they can activate these different levers of power in a way that the public often will not hear about by design. There's a reason that show that came out several years ago, K street, um, which was all about lobbying. K street was canceled, not because it was a bad show, but because members of uh, Washington DC's inside crew got it canceled. It was skirting a little too close to the truth. It's too real, man. It's too real. Just like this statement from the Calorie Control Council's About website. Ready? Quote, from time to time, the council has sponsored studies on low and reduced calorie ingredients, foods and beverages, including ingredient safety, consumer usage, and public opinion, which means it's running some of its own tests or studies that then it would use in some PR to get you and other media organizations to think a certain way about a certain substance. Mm-hmm. I just don't and, like it. And no one on the board is there to be a contrarian. There's no one on the board who says, you know, my job is to point out when this stuff doesn't seem legit. 
that doesn't make sense. And we have to be aware of that. And at this point, we want to be aware of your thoughts. What do you think, folks? We can't wait to hear what's on your mind, not just about this, but about other food additives. Um, shout out to previous work on sugar. Check out our chocolate episode uh, episodes, brominated vegetable oil. That's another one. And the hits keep coming because uh, check out where we ruin seafood. Uh, we want to know what you think can be done, what should be done, what's another food cover-up that you believe is out there in the world right now. Uh, we try to be easy to find online. Mm-hmm, we do. You can find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff Show on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, where we have our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy that you can join and hang out with your fellow conspiracy realists. Uh, we're also Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. Hey, do you want to call us? Our number is one eight three three S T D W Y T K. It's a voicemail system. You can talk directly to us for three minutes. All you need to do is give us a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. It's that simple. If you want to send us links to articles or really anything at all, why not send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.